Good morning. How's everybody doing? Ain't this a great place to be? I have, uh, I have so many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful memories about this place. Uh, for those that may not know, when I was 15 years old, I was called to preach, and I ran from that calling for 40 years. I hid behind a keyboard. You couldn't get me to speak. I was scared to death to get up in front of people. I never even, co- I, I, the first Sunday school class I taught was right here at Orchardville Church. Yeah, Pastor Mark began pulling me. You, you know what I'm talking about, the old rubber band thing, stretching me, pushing me, pulling me. And it was Orchardville Church. It was Pastor Mark Shell and the Holy Spirit that rekindled that calling in my life, and I thank God for that. I'll never forget the, the Sunday morning, my, uh, my father-in-law, I always called him the Marlboro Man, because before he got saved, um, I'm not going to say he was evil, <laughs> but he was tough. I mean, he was just tough, tough, you know, the, the cowboy boots, the blue jeans, the Flannel shirt, the, I mean, every, every sentence that, that he spoke, there was usually at least one or two cuss words in that sentence. I remember one evening he called down the house. We just lived about a block away, and he called down and, and asked if my stepson, who was about, oh, 10, 12 years old at that time, and his buddy, now my stepson's name is Zach, and his best friend was named Zach, so it was Zach and Zach, and he said, see if Zach and Zach want to go to Walmart with me. And so they did. They went to Walmart, and when they come back in, the boys were kind of snickering, and my wife, Jennifer, she said, um, what's, what's so funny? And they said, we counted how many times Paul, Paul cussed on the way to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, how many times was it? Now, Walmart's only about an eight, ten-minute drive, 42 times, one way. <laughs> but I'll never forget that Sunday morning. I was sitting right about where John and Jane are sitting on the end right where John is, and my father-in-law was sitting in the middle of the row. At the end of the service, when Pastor Mark Shell gave the altar call, my, my father-in-law stood up, and I thought he was heading out. <laughs> Instead, he stepped into that aisle, walked down, and knelt right there and gave his heart to the Lord. And I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I, I knelt beside him and began to pray with him. And I've shared this with several people. If you ever heard a wounded animal, that, that, that was the sounds that was coming out of him as, he, as God was reaching in and taking that old, dirty, broken heart and replacing that with a heart of flesh and and with his Holy Spirit and just doing a work there. And I'm telling you, and he's still walking with the Lord today. That's been, uh, that's been 10 years ago. Thank God for those times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a very special place. It's good to be back with the Mother Church. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I love going to church on Sunday morning. Of all the places we could be. How many have ever been in the hospital on a Sunday morning? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been there. You've been someplace and, and it's, you were forced not to be able to, to be in church and, and your heart was, there was just something missing. Well, uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? Amen. 
Uh, thank you, Carlin and worship team, for leading us into the throne room. It, you didn't know what I'm preaching on today, right? You didn't know. Your songs today could not be more perfect. You're gonna, you'll see what I mean here in a few minutes. And, uh, and a special thank you to Pastor Mark Dobler for trusting me with this pulpit. I, I really appreciate how your pastor has a, a great heart to continue the mission of, of reach, teach, and serve. And thank God for that. I, I love him. We've had lunch together numerous times. Uh, get your Bibles out. Turn to John, the 11th chapter. How many here love the Word of God? Let me ask you this. Is anybody here other than me, have you ever slept with your Bible? Have you ever been in a place in life where you just needed some kind of comfort, comfort to go to sleep, something to, uh, instead of a banky, I had my Bible. Yeah, been there. Thank God for his written word. Amen. And I want you to keep your swords in your hand. Keep your Bible in your hand because we're going to look at quite a few verses this morning. Also, it's a good thing for you to fact check, right? Fact check. <laughs> Make sure what I'm preaching today is, is right in case your pastor comes back and asks, what did, what did Pastor Steve preach on? You can tell him he preached from the Bible, okay? If you will, go ahead and put my sermon slide up. Yeah, it's up there. There it is. That's the title of my message. Um, Brother Rick, thank you for, for taking care of that sermon slide for me. The title is Not Dead, 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 Not Dead, Dead, Not Dead, Dead. <laughs> and then to wrap it up, Not Dead, John chapter 11. If you will, please stand for the reading of the Word of God. On this particular day, while Jesus was near Enon, we read where a messenger shows up and tells Jesus that his friend Lazarus is very, very sick. And I know that I've read this passage at least probably 15, 20 times, if not more than that. Yet I, I never picked up on exactly what Jesus said until recently. Listen to what Jesus says. John eleven four. 4. When Jesus heard that, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, This sickness is not unto death. Not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Heavenly Father, I ask this day that you will anoint the preaching of your word. The hearing of your word, Lord, let it sink deep into our hearts. Penetrate our hearts, Lord, with your truths, and we'll be faithful to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. Not unto death. Not unto death. That's where I got the first two words of the first learn of my, my sermon today. John, it's so good to see you, brother. Good to hear you singing again. Bless you. But that's the first... Uh, first two words of the first line of my sermon title today, not dead, not unto life. He, he says, not unto death, not unto death. Jesus tells him, I, I know that Lazarus is very sick, but don't worry. He is not, I repeat, he is not going to die. His exact words was, this sickness is not unto death. Now, if your Bible has the same heading over this chapter as mine does, my Bible heading titles this chapter, the death of 
of Lazarus. Yet right out of the gate, Jesus says, Lazarus is not going to die, not dead. Now, if you've been around church any time at all, and you've heard this story, and you know how this ends, you know that Lazarus dies. So how how can Jesus' first statement be not dead? Not dead. Well, let's keep on reading because this gets very interesting. Drop down to verse 11, John 11, 11. These things he said, and after that, now it's going to sound like he doubles down on not dead. After that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Still not dead, right? Just sleeping. Sleeping, not dead. Verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. They take Jesus at his word. They take Jesus at his literal words, and that's a great thing to do, right? Ain't it a good thing to take Jesus at his word? They say, we agree with you, Lord. Lazarus is sleeping, and this sleep is just what he needs. Maybe this is just what he needs to get well. He just needs some rest. He needs to stay in bed a few days. If he stays in bed a few days and gets some rest, he's going to be okay. Verse 13, however, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Wait a second. (laughs) In verse 4, Jesus says, not dead. But here just 10 verses later, Jesus plainly tells them, Lazarus is dead. Not dead in verse 4. Dead, clearly dead in verse 14. So we have a problem here. Either Jesus is confused or there's a deeper meaning to the words of Jesus. Did you know that there are passages in the Bible that are literally true, historically true, historically correct, but then there are truths that come from the worth of God that may contradict what appears to be facts. There are times when facts do not line up with faith. Because the facts are going to tell you something different than what faith is trying to speak to you. There may be times when facts and faith are at odds with each other. And this is one of those times. And then Jesus gives them a hint about what is about to happen in the next verse, verse 15. He said, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. What a strange statement to make. Jesus tells the disciples, I'm glad I'm not there right now to heal Lazarus. Isn't that an odd statement coming from the healer? You see, when Jesus first heard the news about Lazarus, it says he stayed right where he was for two more days. Are you following this? Jesus hears the news that his friend is dying and his initial response is he is not going to die. But then he reverses what he said and says, well, actually he is going to die. And then instead of leaving right away, he hangs around for two days telling the disciples, stop worrying about Lazarus. He's sleeping. 
And when you do the math, it had taken two days for the messenger to get there to see Jesus. And we'll see in a few minutes where Lazarus had been dead, reaches this point where he's dead for four days, a total of four days. So about the same time the messenger gets there with a message to tell Jesus is about the same time that Lazarus dies. Question, don't you think Jesus knew what was going on? Of course he did. He knew exactly what was going on. Now, I don't know what Jesus and the disciples did during those two days. Did they just lay around doing nothing? Did they go fishing? Did they go play golf? We don't know. It doesn't say, right? And now two days later, he tells them why he decided to hang around and wait for Lazarus to die. That they may believe. You may have heard this saying before. In fact, I know you have. Waiting time is not wasted time. We may not understand it, but waiting time is not wasted time. What is Jesus doing? He is setting the stage for something great. So Jesus waits two days, and then the journey must have taken two days because four days have passed when Jesus finally shows up, and sure enough... Lazarus is dead. Everyone say, Lazarus is dead. dead. Say, yes, he is dead. dead. Do you know one of the most difficult things to do is trust the Lord's timing? (laughs) I trust Jennifer, my wife, with my very life. I do. I trust her with my health. I trust her with my money. This morning, she drove my truck. I I trusted her with my truck today. There's only one thing that I can think of that I can't trust her with, and that is timing. Are there any men that can relate? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. When we're getting ready to go somewhere and she says, I'll be ready in 30 minutes. I'm sorry, but 30 minutes in Jennifer time, that's at least 45 minutes in real time. Don't tell her I said that. You see, even though they were friends, you can tell that Martha is not happy with Jesus' timing. John 11, 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, If you had been on time, my brother would not have died. Martha tells Jesus, Jesus, your timing was off. Your timing was off. If you had been here, he would have been not dead. But because you waited, he is now dead. So we now have not dead, dead from Jesus, but definitely dead from Martha. Have you ever been there? Maybe there's someone in that exact place right now, confused by God's timing. Maybe even frustrated, maybe even angry with God's timing. But remember, this is all part of of Jesus' master plan. He had said he is but sleeping, not dead. Then Jesus said, strangely, I'm glad he's dead because he is dead for your sakes, Have you ever been confused by what you're going through? Have you ever struggled with why, Lord? 
Why me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? I don't understand what's going on. Why am I going through this? You see, life can be hard and life can be challenging. We read the promise how how that God is faithful and he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. But Paul, Paul writes this, he says, but with every temptation, with every hardship, with every struggle, he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And yet you find yourself right in the middle of that. Just barely keeping your nose above the water. All you can do to put one foot in front of the other. All you can do to get up out of bed. All you can do to go to work. All you can do to face the people around you. We read the promise, I am the God who heals you and yet you're struggling with sickness. We read in Isaiah chapter 53, by his stripes we are healed. And yet we're struggling with pain. And sometimes it can make us scratch our heads and wonder. It's like Jesus was saying he's not dead, but then he turns right around and plainly says, but he is dead. And if that isn't confusing enough for you, he says, I'm intentionally going to show up late. On purpose, I'm going to show up late. I'm going to let something, I'm going to let someone die in your life. You see, we have two sets of eyes. We have the natural set of eyes, but then we have spiritual eyes. And with one set of eyes, we see the body, the dead body. Yes, he's dead. Yes, he's dead. I can see with my human eyes, he's not breathing. I can see with my human eyes, his chest isn't moving. His heart isn't beating. And our flesh, what we see, struggles with the spirit, the unseen. And Jesus says, I know you're having a difficult time right now, but don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't give in because I'm getting ready I'm getting ready to open your spiritual eyes. I'm getting ready to do something that is going to erase all doubt. I'm getting ready to do something that's going to answer some of your questions. Jesus tells Martha, I know you're upset with me right now, but stay with me. Stay with me for just a few more minutes. And God is telling someone here today, I know you're confused. I know you don't understand. I know that you might even be a little bit angry with me. You might be a little bit upset with my timing, but just stay with me. Don't leave. Don't leave me. Don't walk away. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop believing. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection. The great I am. The great I am. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked that. Do you believe this? He challenges Martha. Do you believe this? What was Jesus saying? Martha, Lazarus is not really dead. Not really. You don't see what I see. I see beyond the grave. There may be someone here today and your situation may look dead. It may sound dead. 
It may even smell dead. But Jesus is trying to tell you. He is trying to reveal his power to you. He's trying to get you to see him as the great I am. Jesus is telling us today. You heard it in song. Now you're hearing it in message. Now you're hearing it from the word of God. I am. He says, I am. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the answer. I am the healer. I am the restorer. I am the deliverer. He is challenging us today. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? He's trying to tell us, believe in me. Believe in me. Believe in me. Because whatever appears to be dead, if you don't get anything else from this message, I want you to catch this next sentence. It's, this is Jesus speaking. It's not dead until I say it's dead. Martha, stop looking at your brother with natural eyes. Open your spiritual eyes and see that he is just sleeping. Though he may die, he shall live. Can I challenge someone here this morning? Are you going to believe the bad test results that you got from the doctor? Or are you going to believe this? And I'm not slamming doctors. I thank God for doctors. Are you going to believe the New York Times or are you going to believe this? Are you going to believe CNN or are you going to believe this? Are you going to believe your newspaper or are you going to believe this? From Genesis to Revelation, I believe every word that's in here. Do you believe that death as we know it is not the end? Do you believe that there's a real heaven? Do you believe that there's a real hell? Do you believe that God came in the form of his son, Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us? Do you believe that Jesus opened blinded eyes and healed deaf ears? Do you believe that he walked on water? Do you believe that he spoke to wind and waves and they obeyed his voice? Do you believe that demons... Flee at the sound of his voice? Do you believe that he took stripes on his back for our healing? That he willingly laid down his life for our salvation? Do you believe that he bled and he died and he suffered just for you, just for me? Do you believe this? Do you believe? Do you believe that after three days, something in that tomb where Jesus was buried, began to happen. <clears throat> that life and breath came rushing back into his body and that he got up and he shook off those grave clothes and he walked out of that grave alive and victorious over death, hell, and the grave and that he is alive forevermore. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I know that there are things in the Bible that we read that are hard to believe. Seriously, animals got on an ark by themselves. Two by twos. By themselves. Nobody herded them. Nobody, nobody was beating them with a whip. They just got on this big boat. Really? <laughs> the Red Sea opened and millions of people walked across on dry ground 
Really? You really believe that? A man was swallowed by a big fish and survived for three days, and then that fish spit him out on, on on the ground. You really believe that? You see, Jesus knew he was presenting Martha with something that was hard to believe. That's why he challenged her. Because all the facts said the opposite of what he was saying. That's why Jesus specifically asked her, do you believe this? What was he saying? It's decision time. It's time to make up, a de- make up your mind. Get off the fence. Listen to me, church. We, we can no longer ride the fence. We either believe what God's word says or we don't. And I want you to pay attention to what Martha does. She does the same thing that we're tempted to do. Deflect the question. Remember how this conversation started? If you had been here, Lord. If you had been here. In the past, if you had been here, he would not have died. You see, it's so easy for us to live in the past. That past of if, if, if. If God had just done it this way. If God had just done it that way. And then she goes from the past to the future. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha says, I believe God did great things in the past. And I believe he will do great things in the future. It's the here and now that I'm struggling with. It's what I see. It's what I feel. It's what I hear. It's that smell coming from that tomb. How can I believe when I, when, I, when I, there's so much evidence in front of me that's speaking the opposite of what faith is trying to tell me. But what did Jesus say? Do you believe? He said, do you believe that I am? I am, I am. Not I was or I will be. He said, I am. Verse 27, she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Jesus is looking for a yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God who has come into the world. Jesus is looking for someone to respond that same way today. Jesus, I believe that you are. I believe that you are the answer. To my problem, not yesterday and not tomorrow, today. The one who is able today. So Jesus deals with Martha and then along comes Mary weeping. And what are the first words out of Mary's mouth? The same thing that Martha said. John eleven thirty two. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says, because of your timing, he's dead. Everyone say dead. dead. Everyone say dead. dead. Now listen, I'm not belittling their situation. Lazarus was dead. He was dead. He was. D-E-A-D, not dying. Dead, 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 dead. As dead as a doornail. Right? 
And let's face it, if me and you were in Mary and Martha's shoes, we would have reacted the same way they did. But Jesus showed up that day with a mission. He showed up that day with a purpose. He showed up that day with a plan, just like he is here today on a mission to seek and to save that which is lost. Carlin, if you'll come. Verse 38, then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Everyone say, dead for four days. (laughs) Really dead, right? (laughs) No hope, no hope. In fact, he's so dead, he has started to stink. Have you ever been in a stinking situation? (laughs) There may be somebody here right now. You're in a situation and it stinks. And you don't have the answer. If so, I got some good news for you. You're in the right place today. Verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man, everyone say dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me but because of the people who are standing by I said this that they may believe that you sent me that they may believe here it comes here it comes what all this has been about this four day ordeal four days of weeping four days of anguish Four days of mourning. The plan and purpose, you see, was to raise something or someone from the dead. Verse 43. Now when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, everyone say dead, came out. Now everyone say not dead bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. One more time, everyone say dead. Dead. Now say not dead. dead. Now after all of this, what do you think happened to Lazarus? He died again. After all of this, he died again. It may have been from old age. It may have been from a heart attack. We don't know. But at some point, he was again dead. But as Jesus told Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know what's going to happen someday when the trump of God sounds on resurrection morning? I don't know where the remains of Lazarus are right now. Maybe nothing but but dust and ashes. But whatever it is, there's going to be a gathering. And that, 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 that mortality is going to be replaced with immortality. And one last time, we will be able to say concerning Lazarus and all of our saved loved ones, not dead.
every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul describes us being dead in Ephesians chapter 2. And I can't think of a better way to close this message. Paul writes this. He says, and you, talking about us, each one of us, and you, he, Jesus, has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Do you remember when you were dead in your sins? In which you walked, he says, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, but God, but God, God showed up at our tomb, but God who is rich in mercy, but God because of his great love with which he loved us, but God even when we were dead in trespasses has made us alive together with Christ and has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The altars are open. If you're already a believer here this morning, but the enemy has been trying to tell you that there are areas in your life that are dead, that are beyond hope. It may be your marriage. It may be family problems. It may be health problems, problems with your children, your job, your finances. Listen to me. It ain't dead until Jesus says it's dead. And if there's someone here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, your future looks dead, no hope. You're dead in your sins. Jesus is here this morning to speak life and life more abundantly into you.